Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. All right, welcome to episode 68 of PHP Town Hall, a uh, very special episode. Uh, joining us tonight is the one, the only, the great Taylor Otwell, uh, fresh off the release of Laravel 6. Taylor, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Hanging in there. How are y'all? Uh, you know, hanging in there, just our new job, so chilling. Doing my best. Nice. You're ben? Uh, work from home now, right, Matt? I I am. I joined the, the Cool Kids Club, I think. So Yeah. Did yeah, you just sure. like burn all your pants and buy gym shorts? I mean, I, I sit in cycling pants pretty much all the time now, so I'm just like ready to go biking. This is like extra training. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'll set my training. Those, uh, those little biking desk, right? Where it's kind of like a stand desk where you bike when you're at. I'm not made of money, Ben. Okay. How's it going on? Yeah, got I gotta make money to spend money. Uh, so make money, right? No. I'm working on it. Uh, ben, how's it going? Oh, things are good. Nothing. Uh, nothing too new in this front. Wasn't it like just your birthday or something? Yeah, it was. Which I I think I'm very old now because my one request for my birthday was like, can we just not have more than two drinks and drink at all, please. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I, I'm I'm both proud of you and very ashamed all in the same of an error. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but so you know we brought Taylor on to talk all things Laravel. Um so I wanted to start off with a very big question, Taylor. Um you've posted on Twitter before about Star Wars. How do you feel about Galaxy's Edge? Like super stoked, super super stoked, or like you're ready to be disappointed? <laughs> Uh, super stoked. I think. I mean, I want to go. We it's we were just at Disney World last Christmas, actually, and like <clears throat> we were just talking about, you know, like should we go back because of the new the new stuff? And uh, yeah, I don't know. The kids will like it for sure, and I think it'd be pretty cool. So I guess I would put myself as super stoked. Nice, nice. I'm going at Christmas, so I'm tempted to go to Galaxy's Edge, but also like I know it's gonna be a dumpster fire with all the people there. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be crowded. When is oh, it? Yeah. I opened like last week or something, like right in time oh. with the hurricane. Disney. Oh, oh gosh. Small. Well, yeah. Small land now. Well, I mean, and whenever I go to Disney World, I just hang on. It's a small world and feel like I'm at home with my people. <laughs> um, but no, really, we want to bring you on and talk about Laravel. Uh, first off, you know, congratulations for Laravel 6. You know, that's a huge release. Um, that project's. Ha- how old is Laravel? Um, I, I know, I've known since like the 4, 4.0 days, but I know it extends yeah. further back than that. It's eight years old as of, or really, yeah, eight, eight years old in June of this year. So, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, definitely didn't expect it to like live this long or be popular like this eight years down the road, but here we are. 
and uh yeah pretty crazy um you know once we get to 10 years i think that'll feel really crazy because that just feels like really old to me in terms of like tech yeah we were uh before we helped go live on the video we were just chatting about how tara was our first guest and uh that was back in 2012 and the large mm. four was about to launch and it's it's really wild to think back, like the journey Oracle's taken. What was um? So I don't think I really used three much. Three was like really bare bones, right? Right. Yeah, like when Laravel one first came out, um, it was more like in the slim and silex space. I would say, where it was kind of a micro framework. I don't really, I don't remember if it had an ORM in it or not, but it was not supposed to be like. It was not supposed to be like in the symphony and Zen space in terms of frameworks. Um, it was really light and maybe maybe even referred to it as a micro framework. I don't remember. But then like the progression of it was after I got hired, because I wasn't really a PHP developer when I wrote Laravel. I was a .NET developer, but then I got hired by a company called Userscape at sort of like January 2012, um, about six months after Laravel came out. And they wanted they build a help desk software called HelpSpot, and uh, Ian, the founder, wanted to like rewrite a bunch of uh, a bunch of it. It was already PHP, but he sort of wanted to like modernize it and get it on Laravel because he kind of liked it. And a lot of Laravel's growth kind of came out of like the features we needed there. So like since it was you know I was working with Eric Barnes, and uh, we needed like you know database migrations and queues and a lot of these features that sort of were driven out of this help desk product we were building, and that's where Laravel got like kind of fleshed out into the framework it, as it exists today, basically. That's cool. I remember like my first introduction of Laravel was Laravel 4. And then I remember in Laravel 5, you kind of stripped a lot of it away. Um, was that just was that just because you want to make it easier for you to maintain it? Or was it was it like a kind of a community survey that you realized people weren't using parts of it and you decided to take that out? Or? Um, a lot of it was just sort of like feeling things out. Uh, Laravel 4, I would say, was sort of the first modern, uh, like in quotation marks, modern version of Laravel in the sense that um, it used Composer and it had like unit testing stuff out of the box and was sort of more based around the dependency injection container and all of that. Um, but so like when I first put out four, I was very much just like feeling things out, engaging a lot of the reaction for the people that were using it. And so I think five, you know, there was a lot of, when five came out, there was a lot of stuff that was kind of like hot in PHP at the time. So like command buses were hot and like, um, uh, people were talking a lot about like DDD and like clean architecture and stuff. And so some of the stuff in five was sort of influenced by that, like stripping it down some, adding in the command bus, uh, you know, just sort of like community reaction type stuff. Um, and then ever since then, it's just sort of, there hasn't actually been like a huge paradigm shifting release since Laravel 5. Um, it's just sort of been incremental releases and every six months we do a release and there usually is some like some changes and even some breaking changes. But I try to keep it like within a few hours of upgrade time. I think Laravel 6 release was estimated to be like an hour for most apps, but even that's probably fairly generous. Um, so yeah, the main reason for jumping to like Laravel 6 is 
you know, if you've hung around Laravel for a while, like from three to four to five, those were huge changes. And that's not really the case from five to six. It's mainly just that we adopted semantic versioning in the framework itself, which we were already using in all of our packages like Laravel Cashier and Nova and Horizon. That All that stuff was already using semantic versioning. But Laravel sort of had this sort of like marketing uh, twist on its versioning where the first number had like this huge significance. Um just for like marketing purposes and branding purposes. And it didn't really stick to some semantic versioning. So now that like Laravel feels pretty settled and mature to me, we just like adopted the semantic versioning because the first number doesn't really matter that much anymore to us. But anyway, it's kind of the gist of it. Do you think this is a, so cause you do do breaking changes fairly yeah. often, I'd say, right? Do you think yeah. Every six months. More about 20 within a couple <laughs> of years or what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I guess so. So like, you know, I guess we'll go through two numbers a year. Um, so yeah, it'll be pretty high. I mean, kind of like React 16 or whatever they're on now. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I guess I, like, I don't even know what version of Symfony is anymore. It's just Symfony to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And unless you're building like packages on it, like who really cares? And I like I was sort of like apathetic to the whole the whole semantic versioning thing as far as the the framework itself goes. Like I think it's really nice for all of our packages and stuff, but um, I don't know. A, a lot of people wanted it and it's really no skin off my back. So I just like, you know, whatever, let's just do it and we'll be consistent all across the board. Fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but to take it like just a turn complete 180 for a second, um, you know, when you built Laravel, it was kind of just like to scratch an itch to solve a problem at Userscape. But now it's grown into this project that, I mean, honestly, if I say Laravel, people think Taylor Outwell, huge six foot, bald headed guy, you know, it is what mm -hmm. it is. Um, how, like, I, I asked this question to a lot of my coworkers and they, they all kind of said, like, how does it feel to take an open source project uh, that you just kind of started on your own and now it's making considerable money from? Like, how does that change things? How does that make you, like, feel eight, ten years down the road from now? Well, it's been you know, just a crazy journey and I'm happy it's turned out this way. And, um, you know, to me, it's like always kind of a balancing act too with like, um, I never really intended to make money off of the framework or turn it into a business when I started it. It was just like the framework was just kind of a stepping point to me launching some other like unrelated outside of the dev tooling space business. And so once Laravel started making money, which is really when I launched Laravel Forge, um, I don't know. I kind of started to like get a little bit more serious about it. Eventually had to hire staff and stuff just to keep up with everything. And also like, it's just a balancing act, you know, between uh, providing these sort of commercial services and not making the framework feel like super commercialized. Um, so in the past, I've tried to kind of alternate like what I do on various years. So like one year I put out, um, let's say like Laravel Spark and it's like a four, profit thing and then so the next year we put out laravel horizon as like a free thing just to sort of like not let it feel too tipped one side or the other like we made laravel telescope free uh we made laravel nova paid uh, just stuff like that um uh, because i don't want it to feel just like this commercial uh i don't know just like soulless business you know what i mean that's just like this enterprise thing that 
is not fun anymore. Um, so that's always kind of the balancing I can try to do. So next year, like I'm going all open source stuff, uh, no commercial stuff, just like all open source packages, all Laravel stuff, and just focus on that for the whole year. So I, since you're on this podcast, can we get a teaser of what's coming next? Or is that like completely under wraps to Laracon next year? Well, I don't really care. Like there's, I mean, right. Cause right now I'm just still like in the idea formulation stage. So like a lot of stuff that gets requested in Laravel is people ask for like GraphQL stuff. They ask for um, like better helpers around like two factor authentication stuff. Um, let me look on my list. Uh, and then, then just like some Laravel features that aren't necessarily like packages, but I want to make the um, the Laravel stubs like more customizable, customizable. So when you do like make controller or make model, you know, all that's just like you can customize it to your own like stub or style or whatever. Um, I want to get our UI scaffolding, um, a tailwind option for that. Um, so all of that stuff is just sort of like open source stuff I want to explore. Um, some of it's like bigger than others, but, and then I'll just kind of like this fall, I'll formulate kind of more ideas for what I want to tackle in 2020 and try to get it together. Usually the fall is actually kind of a, uh, sort of a low key time for me. And cause I usually just put out like a big new version and release whatever big new thing I was working on at Laracon and the fall is sort of like my sort of recharge period where I just try to gather ideas for what I want to kind of do next. Have you found um, like the fact that you're kind of consuming Laravel now as a user and as a creator, has, has that informed your creation of Laravel at all? Oh yeah. Like I don't think I would want to work on Laravel otherwise or like build. It's really hard to build open source stuff. If you're not a user, like uh, that would be really scary to me because I would feel like I was just sort of like guessing in the dark about what is actually useful and what's not useful. So like building vapor on Laravel <clears throat> is, you know, it's super helpful to me. And I think even more so in the past, just like building stuff like Nova or Envoy or back when the framework was a little younger, uh, Forge especially, I mean, because I was framework was only a couple years old. Um, it helps like just suss out these parts of the framework that really suck or that are like are really annoying and sort of bring them to the surface to where they become really obvious and I can get them fixed. Um, of course, like the more you do that, that has sort of diminishing returns. So like this time around, I only found like one or two things that I thought were, I thought was kind of frustrating. Um, so now that I've been around the block four or five times like that, that hasn't like paid off quite as much, but I mean, it's still like gives me a lot more confidence in the framework itself. And it's nice just like the, as the user base has grown and, um, you know, more companies use Laravel now. I get a lot of really good feedback from other people too that are using Laravel, you know, in serious applications um, in a business context. And so they have a good idea about what's working and what isn't working. That's cool. So is that, like, what's your main go-to for how you generate ideas that we need to work on, right? Is it like your experience or just the things you just report or some combination of the two? Um, yeah. There's a, quite a lot going on, right? So yeah. Sure. there's a combination of things like a lot of it is just driven out of my own like um sort of what i want uh, or like just stuff that's bugging me at the time um a lot of it's or some of it's driven just by like the other laravel team members so like muhammad Dries, um james they have their own ideas they pitch too um so like laravel telescope that was entirely muhammad's idea really um, and he, that was, or he sort of burst the idea and we sort of fleshed it out together, but he was really the main driving force behind that whole package. And then, uh, Laravel Nova was really David Hemphill's idea at, at its core. 
And he kind of worked up a prototype using just Laravel and Blade templates, no um, no like JavaScript or anything on the front end, and kind of pitched it to me as like, hey, I think this would be really useful. And people had told me like, hey, I really want an admin panel for Laravel, but that was kind of one of those things where I wasn't living in that world. So like to me, I was just like, well, you have uh, Table Plus or like SQL Pro, like what else do you need? Um, just like run a query against your data or whatever. But he kind of like set me down and was like, dude, look, this would be really useful and, and pitched it to me. And so that I kind of bought it after that and saw the use case for it. And then we built that together. Um, so yeah, it's just a mix, you know, and some of it's just people on the internet, you know, with, with on GitHub making pull requests or like, on GitHub, we have a Laravel slash ideas repository where you can just kind of like dump out any ideas you have about the framework. And I actually do go through and read those. Um, just a month or two ago, I read through, like I read at least skimmed through all of them and there, there's hundreds of them out there. But um, there's we, we pulled a feature off of that for uh, Laravel 6, the job middleware feature, because it was kind of a combination of it being out there on that idea board. And then once I saw it, I thought about like, oh, yeah, I actually did have this problem on Vapor where that would have been pretty useful. So um, we were able to get that into Laravel 6. That's cool. So now that you have these employees and things are a little more split up, where do you personally spend most of your time? Um, so for like for the past 10 months or whatever, I built Laravel Vapor while everyone else sort of like held down the fort. So uh, Muhammad was maintaining like Forge and Envoy and answering support questions. And I was answering support questions too for anything that like had to be escalated up to me or whatever. And then Dries was handling all of our open source packages issues. Um, just uh, he could come ask me questions if there was some like confusion or whatever. And then uh, James, he, he actually wasn't really on board until after Laracon US. So he's pretty recent, but he's been working on Nova pretty much exclusively. Um, getting that just like um, get the issues cleaned up on GitHub, getting new features in. So I sort of always tackle like the initial prototype of the new stuff myself, like Laravel Vapor. I built um, the whole back end myself. And then once I kind of got it like prototyped out and working, um, Muhammad came in and sort of helped me clean up like the final, you know, like 10 to 15% of the product and get it sort of polished up. And uh, and then me and Adam Wadham pair programmed out the whole Tailwind front end. Uh, so, yeah, I usually do like a lot of the R&D type stuff, I guess you could say. Um, just kind of like specking out new ideas and, and testing them out. That's cool. Um, like day to day, do you find yourself doing like a lot of support? Like are you on call at night or is a lot of that automation at this point? Um, I'd still do a lot of support. I mean, every day I answer support emails on help scout and, uh, for all of the products really. Um, no, I, we don't really, I don't really do anything at night. Like I just work eight to five and any support that comes in, like after I get off work is probably not going to be answered until Muhammad wakes up in the morning, which is like, um, I don't know, like midnight or 1am our time central time. Um, so that they don't have to go super long actually until someone's like up and around in the Laravel world. So just a few hours of downtime. That was actually really convenient. Like I didn't really think about it that way when I hired Muhammad, but it actually worked out pretty nice having him be so many time zones away because it sort of gives us someone in the overnight hours to keep an eye on things. That's cool. How do y'all handle communication? Do you use like Slack or how do you? Like we actually just use Telegram. Like we just have a Telegram group. We did use, um, I think we use Slack for a little bit and then we use Discord for a little bit and then we just like strip down all the way to telegrams because it's just like so fast and so simple and it's not like a lot of um, 
I don't know. It just doesn't feel like as heavy as some of those other solutions, especially Slack. But it's actually just like a really chill uh, work environment at Laravel. Like um, everyone kind of like knows what they're doing and I don't know. We just all show up and we don't actually, some days we don't chat much at all. And some days we do if we're trying to iron out a problem, but it's actually a pretty laid back little environment. You mean you're not like some little dictator everybody hates? No, I actually feel like I'm, a lot of times I feel like I don't give enough direction. Like that's kind of, because some, because I don't like to invent like busy work, I guess. So, and just in like the flow of developing something like Laravel, there's just like naturally this period where there's not a lot going on and like, that's okay. And we're not going to be able to fill eight hours every day, which is hardcore, like in our text editor programming crap, you know, it's just not ever, ever going to work out that way. So I just kind of accepted the fact that some days we won't work like all that hard and some days we will. And that's just how it is. And whatever. I think that's important. A lot of companies miss that because yeah, personally, time. like that's where a lot of the creativity for me comes in. Like if my schedule's full, I'm not really going to be creative, but if I'm bored and I like have a couple hours to go, whatever, do housework or just kind of piddle around. That's yeah. really when like my brain feels like it's processing things in the background. And I'm more yeah. Yep. All right. So you, you already have Forge, and that seems pretty popular. What, um, like, what inspired you to do Vapor instead? Like, do you think you're going to kind of cannibalize your own users there? Do you think it's going to be a very different user? Set? Um, that was a fear for sure that it would cannibalize Forge. Um, so with Forge, obviously, it's all server based. So like, it provisions stuff on DigitalOcean and Linode and all that. And that's great. And like, I, I still use that even after Vapor came out. I'm sure I'll continue to use that. But I was just like really personally intrigued by this whole model of what serverless was doing, where it was like pay as you go and scaling really quickly on demand. And it, to me, it was just almost like a personal challenge to see like, you know, screw it. I'll just see if I can get Laravel working on Lambda in like this productive way. And then once I started down that path, I eventually hit this kind of point of no return where like I'd been working on it for so long. I was like, well, I guess I'll try to turn this into like a real thing and uh, kept going with it. So it was just something I was kind of personally interested in. And then as far as cannibalizing Forge, like I just kind of priced it in a way that I hope it wouldn't cannibalize Forge. So like I made the higher tier Forge plan the same price as the Vapor plan. That way, like if someone cancels Forge and goes to Vapor, at worst, they're paying the same. Um, so because I, I, that was like a fear is like if I make I don't know, I could just like trash my whole business and have to start firing people if I priced it the wrong way. So yeah, I don't know. I think Forge will always kind of be more popular than Vapor just because Vapor is um, it's just Forge is just like fits most applications fine. I think like most applications don't need serverless auto scaling up to this insane level. Um, so I don't know. I think Forge always kind of be the meat and potatoes, you know, and some people use vapor. Yeah. Also, I mean, what's right now it's what most people are used to. Right? So you yeah. have to like have to really dive into learn serverless here. Yeah, um, and a, a lot of people it's a whole different mentality, you know, for some people like they're used to being able to like SSH into a server and like uh, read some log files or like you know, run PHP artisan tinker on their production web server. They're used to stuff yeah. like that. So it's a little bit of a mind or like a just a shift to go to vapor. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, like I, I had some sites on Firebase, right? And today they have an outage, or they didn't say oh. they had an outage, but all everything I had fucking went down for like an hour. <laughs> so obviously they have them. And, yeah, uh, it's really like it's weird because if the server goes down, I'm empowered to at least pretend like I can do something. But <laughs> yeah, when Firebase goes down. I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just wait and hope they fix it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the same way with Vapor, pretty much. If Amazon goes down, yeah, you're just kind of at their mercy. Speaking of, do you have any plans to add Firebase in the future, or are you going to stick with Lambda? So, like, when I first started writing Vapor, I had this good idea that, like, I would just abstract, like, so I have this, like, class in Vapor called a cloud provider, and it's, like, supposed to be this generic thing that, you know, would work for other serverless providers. And, like, the deeper I got down the Vapor road, like, the harder I realized that was going to be <laughs> to, to like make that generic because it's pretty, it's not too bad if you're just doing like serving static HTML or like something pretty basic. But once I got into like queues and databases and certificate <laughs> management and all that, like it became this really leaky abstraction around cloud providers. So at that point I was just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on AWS. I probably don't even have time to dig into some of these other cloud providers. So in theory, that was the idea. Maybe we'll revisit that someday. But right now, I'm just kind of like got all my eggs in the AWS basket. Yeah, makes sense. It's definitely more popular too. How are you? How are you finding the uptick with Vapor? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Like, we had about like nine thousand people on the waiting list to get in, and. Um, Man, to be honest, like I haven't even checked like how many I've invited two thousand of those nine thousand into the app, um, and let me check like how many have signed up. Maybe so. Let's see. It looks like about two hundred and thirty people out of the two thousand I've signed up. So like, what I don't know, a little over like ten percent have actually like followed through. Uh, so to me, that's okay. Like, um, let me see. Yeah, like if that if that trend continued, like I would be pretty happy with where Vapor ended up, and it would it would kind of put it in like that Envoyer space, which is kind of where I had a hunch that like it would end up in terms of number of users and sort of what it does for Laravel as a business. Because I look at Envoyer in kind of the same way. Like um, a lot of people are fine with just the Forge deployment system, and but there's like the subset of people that want the Envoyer zero downtime deployment. And I kind of look at Vapor the same way as that. Like a lot of people are going to be good with Forge, but some people are going to want the serverless scalability stuff in Vapor. Um, so I, I, again, I don't think it will ever be as big as Forge, but if the trend continues like how it's going, then I think it'll be, I'll be pretty happy with it. And it will kind of hit my expectations, I guess, of where I thought it would end up. So what, what's your like, plan you just open up to like a few hundred people a week or something to keep your support down? Or yeah, since we were coming up to Laravel 6 and like we had a lot of stuff going on with Laracon US, with Laracon uh, Europe over in Amsterdam, I didn't want to like overwhelm myself with customer support and, um, you know, just like all the little bugs that um, happen when you first start letting people into the app. So we let a thousand in a couple weeks ago and I just let another thousand in today. Um, and I think next week I'll probably just like open it up for general registration um, because I think after letting in a couple thousand, like we've kind of got all the initial feedback that I think we're going to get and kind of uncover the initial problems, um, which I kind of want to patch a few things up tomorrow that that got uncovered today with this batch of users. And then I think next week we'll be ready to just let everybody that wants to uh, sign up. Do you get... um? 
Are you pretty chill about that now, or do you get like really nervous before a big launch like that still? Um, uh, man, I was like surprisingly kind of chill about this launch. Um, I was pretty nervous about the Forge launch just because it was sort of the yeah. first time around. And, um, but yeah, with this, like, I don't know, man, just like whatever. <laughs> like, it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> always freaked me out the way you watch things at the conference. It'd be like, yeah, I would be so nervous because, like, I got to manage a conference and now I'm in a launch and it's like, yeah, holy shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'll work out, hopefully. Um, if it doesn't, whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> if, if I've, it's just hard, like, to get too, like, worked up about it anymore. Um, I think if we would have let everyone in the first day, that actually would have been pretty overwhelming and would have been pretty nerve wracking. But letting it in small groups like this has been uh, quite a bit better, actually. So, I mean, like, when you're letting people in, is it just, you know, a straight countdown or database table, or is it just <laughs> yeah. random IDs just throwing them into an array and saying, email these people? No, it's literally like when I first put it out there, I had a table in the database called like early access. And when you put your email in on the vapor side, it, it just sticks your email in that table. And then like literally today, so I already let in a thousand. I went in today and just did like insert into um, the beta users table, which those, those are the users I can actually like sign up on the app and then just select email from early access, you know, limit 1000 offset 1000. <laughs> and then I copied those emails into MailChimp, sent them an email and was like, Hey, you can get into vapor now. So it's like super low tech actually. No, that, that's, that's really cool. Um, I mean, the tweet I sent out today, like half the people were like, I want vapor access now. And I'm like, well, I can't give it to you because I have access. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a product launch like this uh, in the open source feature world where people are just like clamoring at it. And now um, conferences are trying to kind of not steal your game, but take influence from what you've done where you're launching products at the conference. And now um, I know other PHP conferences in the greater community are trying to look at what you're doing and saying, I want to do that now. I mean, that, that's got to be a pretty cool feeling to see other conferences taking influence. Yeah, I think it makes the conference fun. You know, like if there's some surprise unveil at the conference, this kind of makes it more interesting. And like for me, like I sort of don't like preparing conference talks. Um, it's hard for me to think of topics. It's hard for me to think of anything to say. So now I just like launch stuff and then I have something to talk about and it's just like easier all around. So. <laughs> So is it is it you also organizing the conference, or do you kind of out that to somebody else, or are um, you still so pretty hands on with that too? It's changed over the years. Um, so like it, the first Laracon was actually in 2012, um, and you, Ian, my boss at Userscape, he was the one that like pitched me the idea to even do a Laracon. I didn't really think Laravel had enough interest at the time, much smaller than it is today. Uh, but he thought like we could get like a hundred people, whatever. And I think we ended up with like 90 people at the conference. And so uh, Userscape like as a whole helped organize it. But then once I went out on my own, so they did that for the first like couple of Laracons. So then once I went out on my own, um, I actually did it entirely myself. Um, uh, when we moved to Louisville, I mainly organized it myself. And then I had someone on the ground um, that lived in Louisville and his company used Laravel. His name was Brian Webb. And he sort of helped me scout out venues and take care of anything locally. And now the past couple of years, I've hired um, a girl named Adeline Keith, who I met her and her husband at MicroConf in Las Vegas. And she's actually a wedding planner typically, but 
Um, you know, like her husband had told me, Hey, my wife's an event organizer. And if you ever want any help with Laracon, you know, let us know. Um, and so like eight months later, like I remember this conversation. And so I shot, um, Braden, uh, who he has a Laravel consultancy as well. And I was like, Hey, you know, is your wife still interested in helping organize Laracon? And she's the one that's really like been the main event planner for, um, Laracon 2018 and this year, 2019, uh, which was a lot of work actually, like all the catering and decor and like tables and table linens and all of that um, she takes care of. And then I mainly take care of like the AV side. So like I handled all the screen LED wall, like reservation, um, all like the up lighting and other lighting in the venue. And then also just like speaker selection and stuff like that. Um, I still do as well. So I'm still definitely involved, but um, the event planner has helped like a ton. I don't think it would be doable, which is one person for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are some thrown every year? Do you have, like, I mean, by an, a magnitude each and every single year? I mean, I think it's maybe outside of WordCamp, it's the most attended PHP conference uh, that there is, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the one thing I do like about Laracon is that um, because Laravel has other revenue streams, um, we don't have to make any money at all on Laracon. Like, I actually lost like $5,000 this year on Laracon. And I kind of like it that way because a lot of conferences just aren't in that position. And, um, you know, they're not, it, it sucks that they aren't, but like they have to make money, right. To like support themselves, um, just to keep the conference going and to like pay themselves for their time and stuff like that. But I like that we can just kind of like every dollar that comes in, we can pour right back into the conference to make it like the best possible event we can. And we're just kind of lucky that way, but since we have other, um, revenue streams, but I don't know. I think it lets us run like a nice event. Um, cause New York is definitely not the cheapest place to run a conference. So I don't know if we'll be back in New York for 2020, but we'll see. Do you plan to just like let it keep growing year over year? Or do you plan to um, or do you feel like there's like a balance there between it's good. It's too big. Um, I don't really like growing it is not really like my main goal. So like if we found just like a killer venue uh, somewhere else in 2020, but like it only set like 750 people, let's say this year we're at 900. Like I, that'd be fine with me. Like I wouldn't really care um, about like down, downsizing to that number. If like just the venue is just like so great, you know, we just like can't pass it up. Um, but I think we'll try, we'll aim for that. Like, between that like 700 and 900 range, I think, um, I don't know how much bigger I can really grow it. Um, you know, we grew like in 2018, we had 800 and this year we had 900. So we grew, but it's not like we like, you know, doubled it or anything, you know, it was kind of a small growth. Um, I think conferences, um, it's getting, it's getting hard, you know, for conferences to sell tickets. And I don't really know, like, what the reason for that is like, I think, I don't know if it's just like, there's so much online resources for learning now. And you know, you have stuff like Laracast and symphony cast and all the other cast uh, websites that are out there that I don't know if just like people don't, um, they don't really feel like the benefit of coming to a conference technically. Um, you know, for a lot of people, I think it's more of a social networking thing than it is a technical thing. And I think it's important for, I don't know, I kind of want to lean into that a little bit more and embrace that aspect a little more in the future um, because there's just like, there's rarely technical talks at a conference that you can't just Google, you know, like it's, and it's hard to present something that's like unique and feels valuable technically just because there's already so much information out there. Yeah, I agree. Usually I'm more excited about like wearing a new concept or about a new tool or something like that in a talk. And it's, yeah. it's not a good medium to get too deep in either, right? Because you have mm. to kind of, 
it's catered to the lowest common denominator and you can't go too deep in 15 minutes anyway. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I've tried like the past, like three years, I think like I've been like, can we just rethink conference? Like what a conference looks like at all in general. And maybe just like take some whole other approach with it, but I can never come up with anything that feels very good. So I just kind of stuck with sort of the tried and true formula of like, you know, just a row of talks or whatever, but I don't know. I would like to have some like innovative conference idea that sort of like embraced the whole community aspect of it. And uh, I don't know, just kind of had a different spin on it to make it feel like more fresh, but maybe next year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. That you're at least trying to play with that. Right. Cause I like so many yeah. are just kind of recycling the same thing. Yeah. Um, so like outside of Laravel, is there anything you're like interested in anything you're playing with either programming or, you know, a hobby, anything like that. Like what's, what else is going on with you? Uh, well, I tried to get, tried to learn like front end stuff, uh, quite a bit more this year. So that was just always my weakest point, um, outside of like back in Laravel stuff. Um, so like I started learning tailwind and building vapor was a big like help with that since Adam, the creator of tailwind pair programmed it with me. And like at the beginning, he was literally just telling me what to type basically like BG gray 100. And I was just typing whatever he told me. But by the end, I felt like quite a bit more proficient at it. And I think that was really helpful for me because I always felt like I could, like I was just chained to bootstrap forever, you know, and could never use anything else. Um, outside of that, I don't know, man, just like hanging out with the kids, you know, <laughs> playing basketball outside my house, um, playing rocket league, just stuff like that. <laughs> man, I'm addicted to rocket league. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, dude, I love and hate rocket league. Like I play it. Everyone like tries to get me these like real games. Right. And I'm like, why would I do that? I have rocket league. It's all I need in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I got like just today, I was so mad at that game. Like I told Adam, like me and Adam always play over lunch, like a couple 2v2 games. I told him that I didn't ever want to mention or talk about this game ever again. I'm never playing, so don't ask me. Uh, did you play when they had, um, this is probably boring half the audience, did you play Spikes when they had it out? Like they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I love yeah. that. Like, that was yeah, that was fun. fun. Yeah. Sounds like I should buy a Switch. It yeah it's I mean, on every it's it on like, every platform yeah is i it? don't know man just uh i wouldn't recommend it like it's a dark hole you don't want to go down <laughs> i mean I've, I've played it before ben came to nashville and we played in a hotel for a little while um it was, it was a lot of fun um so maybe i mean have you ever thought about like having like a massive rocket league 2v2 tournament like you and adam versus whoever at laricon just to yeah, see dude, like, that would that would be like my dream conference Right there. Like, <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, like make it like a uh, you know how you have PHP Jeopardy or whatever. Make it like that, but like make yeah. it like a tournament style, you know, move up kind of thing. Yeah, this year we tried to do a, a Laravel's Got Talent thing on stage. We actually had a a Baltimore Ravens cheerleader attended the conference. I guess he's like a programmer as well, and uh, so he was he was pretty hardcore, like doing some backflips on the stage and stuff, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with something cool for next year. It's great until the stage like falls in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think we had insurance for like, you know, like athletic displays on stage. <laughs> <laughs> that dude like braces neck and you're just like, well, oh, that that'd be the end of Laravel. Yeah. <laughs> PHU framework kills cheerleader. <laughs> oh, man. I shouldn't be laughing I mean, at that. 
No, we probably shouldn't. <laughs> but we're going to because we're terrible people. Uh, I mean, it's the typing contest from Titan seems like a. Oh, yeah, dude. I like the typing contest. Um, yeah. That's crazy. So, like, there's always a few people that I know are going to be at the top of that, like Sarah Bine and um, Samantha Geitz. They're both just like blazing fast at those typing competitions. Sarah Bine's ridiculous at typing competitions. But we had we had a new guy this year that I haven't seen like in previous years typing competitions that came in and won. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it seems like it's you know I mean even during the middle of the talks where like it's the hallway track, you still seem like there's things to do in the conference space, not just going up to the sponsors, which kind of comes back to uh, where you are at the conference, which is you don't really need to make money. You don't really need to go to conference. So yeah. people are going to go to the sponsors because they're generally interested in them, not because you really want their sponsorship next year for that sweet money. Yeah, right. Next year, like, honestly, I would like to have less sponsors or like even no sponsors. <laughs> sorry, sorry to all the sponsors out there. But, um it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I really love the sponsors that I work with because um, I really only work with sponsors that I know and would like actually recommend to people. Um, and I try to, I don't know. It's just another one of those balancing act things, you know, where like I try not to make the whole thing feel like too corporatized. Um, so I try to limit the number of sponsors in the venue to like eight or nine. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have like a big exhibit hall or anything like that. And then just pick like fun sponsors um, to actually work with. So like Statomic, um, they brought like a Super Nintendo and a CRT television to their booth this year uh, with Street Fighter 2. And um, like Blackfire gave away like a 50 inch TV. So I don't know, just like I try to bring in cool sponsors. If I'm going to have sponsors, um, at least make it fun. <laughs> did I, I mean, did anyone consider logistics of trying to get a 50 inch TV onto an airplane or was it just kind I of I don't like, know how that was good luck. I don't know how that like was actually delivered. Um, it was, I saw it at the venue, like they had it there, but I don't know what happened with who won it or how they got it home. Huh. I don't know. I saw Jack McGade wheeling his CRT down the middle of Times Square. <laughs> so. And then he hauled it up. He hauled it to the hotel bar and set it up at the bar and played street fighter. So, Pretty fun. I'm time. going to the, I'm going to the wrong conferences. I need to get a Laracon <laughs> next year. Yeah, it was fun. You're a, you're actually a Laravel person now, right, Matt? You converted completely. Well, I I was Laravel, and then I I dipped my toes to the Symphony world, um, and then I came back. Mm. So came back here at one true faith. Well, there was cookies, and I like cookies. So <laughs> no, I mean I um uh, I've I've never been one like. I don't really care enough. Like I just want to get paid and live a lavish lifestyle of hipsterdom and bicycles. Um, so yeah. I, I've never really, I've never really cared too much. Um, but the one thing, like I, I always talk to Ryan Weaver, who's, who's a pretty good friend and John Wage, uh, he used to be my boss. Um, one of my base complaints about Symphony was that like, anytime I set up a, a Laravel project, I, I could have it up and running in like an hour, give or take. Um, I never had to install anything extra. I just knew out of the box, Laravel was good to go. Um, and the biggest thing that helped me do that was the artisan um, console commands. Like those are worth your weight in gold, in my opinion. Um, get rid of everything else and just keep artisan. And I would, I would still be a huge fan. And like with Symphony, it's it's such a mountain to climb to figure out to get the maker bundle in there, and that's where all the commands are, but it doesn't come with the framework. And it's just, you know, I mean, 
for every everything that people bitch about Laravel online and versus Symphony, blah blah blah, you know, the thing that just makes Laravel so great is is that artisan console and just out of the box good to go. Yeah. I haven't like I haven't actually used any other PHP frameworks outside of Slim, Laravel, and Codeigniter. Um, so like I've never used Symphony as a framework, so I don't I don't know a lot about it, but one thing I do like is that recently I feel like Symphony and Laravel have been kind of pushing each other quite a bit where like you know like kind of like what you were saying like laravel was sort of felt ahead in terms of like the dx department and developer experience but i think symphony has been catching on to that and sort of trying to um like improve their experience in that regard and i think like i don't know i just kind of like that the frameworks push each other forward lately and um they do cool stuff which inspires me to try to do cool stuff which hopefully like just pushes them as well. So I don't know, like I've never used Symphony, so I don't have a lot to say about it outside of the components, but I'm really thankful for the components they put out because like they almost never have any problems. Like we've never had to report. I don't think I've ever really reported a bug even in any of those Symphony components. So it's like really stable and nice components. Yeah, they, they really are. And I mean, I can, I can tell you from first experience that Ryan and Nicholas and a few other guys I've talked to over there, they all, credit Laravel's DX, DX as what they've been working on this last iterative cycle. Um, because yeah. of what you provide out of the box is what they've been really trying to work towards. So it, it definitely is starting to become more of a, uh, a symbiotic relationship. You know, you push them to a new level, they find a way to push you. And instead of like everyone hating each other, we're all just like, sweet, we get new frameworks. Yeah, I actually don't really like... I actually don't see a lot of like negative stuff from Symphony people. I think like the most negative PHP people I come across are sort of like the unframework people, you know, that sort of like um, they have their one true way. That's not really like no framework is good enough even for like their their architecture. Those those people are like the most like hardcore toxic. But um, I don't know. Like PHP is a big pie, you know, and. Symphony and Laravel, and there's probably room for even more frameworks to all exist within that ecosystem just because there's so many dang users of PHP that, you know, there's enough to go around and for everyone to have a decent user base. Oh, yeah, agreed. Um, and speaking of frameworks, uh, one question that I did get to the answer I was, I was kind of interested in is, so you released Lumen, uh, gosh, five years ago or so, something like that, maybe? Yeah, sure. Is that, uh, I mean, would you consider development pretty much complete on that? Or is there, is there things still working? Um, I consider development pretty much complete on that. Like, um, running a micro framework, like, I'd be curious to hear what the slim maintainers have to say about this, but running a micro framework is a weird job because um, if you don't add anything, uh, people are like, you know, is this project dead? Is this project abandoned? But if you do add things, it's like, oh, I want this to be a micro framework. Like this is bloated now. So it's like this very, <laughs> it's this very like you razor thin line. line it feels like. router every six months. People will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, what else is there to add? You know, like it's a micro framework, the end. Um, and then also I think part of my sort of lack of interest in adding much more is that PHP itself just got a lot faster in those last five years. Um, so when Lumen first came out, uh, PHP 7 did not exist yet. Um, and the speed difference between Lumen and Laravel and, or like Lumen and a full stack framework was more noticeable and like more significant. But once PHP 7 came out with, 
you know, the op cache and the various optimization optimizations we can do. And um, then, you know, with PHP 7.4 coming, you have the new preload file, which is like another 10%, 15% speed boost. Like the speed difference between Lumen and Laravel just got less and less significant um, to the point where I usually recommend people just start with Laravel now because, you know, just like it's unlikely that, Laravel is going to be your bottleneck. It just really is. Um, I've there's lots of Laravel apps out there in the wild now, and uh, very. I don't even really remember people coming to me and being like, "Laravel is our bottleneck," and you know, we can't. We're going to have to switch because Laravel's too slow. Like that's never happened, actually. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of something people focus on too much. Like most of the time, your framework code, regardless of the framework, is not going to be your bottleneck. Yeah, um, it's like when you're at the scale that it is, you. You probably have the resources to like make your own or strip back what you don't need or whatever, right? Yeah, probably. Like, I don't know. Um, Laravel on Vapor, uh, Hello World request on the Vapor side is like six milliseconds. Um, so yeah, we could could we make this framework twice as fast and spend like our whole twenty twenty focusing on that and not adding any other features? Maybe, but we would save like three milliseconds. So it's just like I don't know. It's generally fast enough for most applications, I think. Um, like I said, I don't ever really get any complaints about that from like actual users. It's more people that are like prematurely optimizing that are complaining about that. So like usually when someone asks me about, you know, they ask about Laravel performance, like on Twitter, or they send me an email. I usually ask them like, what app right now are you trying to scale? You know, like what's the URL of the app that you're trying to scale? And, you know, it's usually not any real app. It's just the idea of an app they have in their head. That's not actually out there yet. So, I mean, if you're not, getting a fastest scaling app on product hunt. Are you really trying though? I, mean, that's, I think that's, I think that's kind of like where they're trying to go is they think they're going to hit. Yeah, sure. Number one. Um, but I mean, I think that makes sense. And I, I would be curious to hear the slim maintainers because I think they just released four not that long ago. Um, yeah. yeah and it, I guess the fig kind of gave them some, some stuff to work with, you know, like with new, um, what they're called. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, new PSRs. I forgot what they were called. With new PSRs, uh, kind of gave them some stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's tough. So uh, you you bounced out of the fig a little while ago. Do you still pay attention to what they're doing, or is it kind of just you uh, doing yeah. your own thing? And yeah, I do. I do try to pay attention to what they're doing. And like when I left fig, it wasn't really for any dramatic reason. It was just that like I was never reading the proposals really, you know, and like wasn't really contributing just due to time constraints. So I was just like, you know, like. I don't know if I'm not going to participate, like why be in this? But then afterwards, Joe Ferguson actually told me that Laravel could have had a, a voting representative. Like it didn't have to be me, which at that point I was like, Oh, well I would have just done that, but then I had already left. So like it was kind of too, too late or whatever. Um, but yeah, I do still actually keep up with kind of what they're doing and like actually try to, you know, if it makes sense, like try to use the stuff like PSR, tw- it was PSR 12, the new like syntax thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that all looked pretty fine to me. Like, I didn't see any big issues there. And I think we just got PSR 6, the more, the more like complicated cache one, I think. Or is that simple cache? One of the cache ones we just got in as well, actually, recently. So, yeah, I try to at least like use the stuff we can and, uh, or whatever and keep up with it. That's cool. Um, so, there was one kind of repeat question on Twitter I wanted to get to, which is, and I'm one of the ones that were more complaining, but I think it would be good for you to address, right? So like a lot of people, I guess, feel like they put in PRs to our belt, and mm-hmm. they 
they either appear are closed and they don't necessarily agree or don't have a good explanation for why it was closed. So can you talk yeah. about the reasoning behind PRG merge versus Dom? Yeah. So people complained about that. Um, I want to say maybe like eight or nine months ago. And I actually went into GitHub and created a couple different uh, automated responses that like I can select out of the little drop down menu when I close something else. So now like I always close with like a response, uh, but in the past, yeah, some stuff did get closed without one. Um, so right now there's two sort of responses you could get. Um, if I close it, you could get an insufficient pull request uh, response, which means that like your pull request generally looked okay, but it was missing tests um, or it like was missing sort of a thorough explanation of what it was or what you wanted to accomplish with it. It's because sometimes people will actually send pull requests that have very little explanation about like what's the end goal they have in mind or like what's the use case where they could envision this being helpful for people in the framework. So in that case, I close it with that response and it's like a couple of paragraphs. I'm explaining that. And then like, if it's missing tests, I'll like bold the test part of the explanation to like, let them know that's why I was closing it. And then there's also one that's just called denied pulled request, which when I close it that way, it means that like, it's just not something I want to maintain in the framework. And a lot of that is because once something comes in, I sort of become the maintainer of it. Um, you know, even if that person says like, you know, oh, like I'll help maintain it. Like I can't really depend on that like a hundred percent because, you know, it's not like it's a contract or something like they don't have to come back or sometimes people change jobs and now they, now they program and go now at their new job and they don't, you know, they're not working in Laravel and they, don't even remember why they did that pull request because it was something for their job or whatever. Um, so in that case, I just close it and it says something like, you know, we don't want to, um, you know, overburden the framework maintainers with maintaining this feature. But if you're able to release this as a package, you know, on Composer, please consider doing that instead. And if you feel that it's been incorrectly closed, like it's a security vulnerability, please email taylor at laravel.com directly or whatever. That's basically the gist of the automated responses. Um, so, yeah, every pull request I close either gets typically one of those two responses. And yeah, just the maintenance burden of like accepting a ton of pull requests is pretty tough. Like right now, we actually have an open pull request. It's been open for a week or two um, that it's someone thinks there's a bug with something that someone else contributed. But because we didn't write this code, we're not entirely sure like the intention behind the code that they contributed. And we're sort of like waiting, playing this waiting game, waiting for feedback from the original person. And now we're not sure like, will we even be able to get this feedback from the original person? So it's just always the risk you take, you know, when you take, when you accept PRs, but I don't know. It's, 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 to, like, it's hard to keep an API clean and minimal, right? Like the API actually just up the framework. So like, yeah. I'm sure you end up closing all things just because like this is a great idea. It's not necessarily something we need or some most users need. You know? Yeah, and there's a lot of good ideas that just could be uh, you know could be released on Composer or whatever, and we, then that's great because so other people can use them and we don't have to maintain them. So it's sort of a win-win. <laughs> um, but I don't know. People sort of like having. There's always that. Uh, people like stuff being official for some reason, you know, like even though we have this nice uh, package manager and composer and we have this way to build Laravel packages or even just to build generic PHP packages, people just get this like warm fuzzies if their feature is like an official Laravel feature. Um, even though like, 
you know, what's the difference really? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but people just like it that way. Well, I mean, it, it looks cool on the resume to say I got a pull request accepted. Yeah, that's true. Clarabelle. Um, but I mean, I've, I've also heard Sebastian say the same thing, you know, like every pull request you merge in is more code you have to maintain. And, yeah. you know, I mean, while you have Mohammed, Drees, and James for now, you know, you may or may not have them two yeah, years on a register, you know. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, it's going to fall on you. You know, so personally, I get it. You know, but I, I can see how other people feel slighted, even even yeah. though it's kind of silly. That's honestly the hardest part of like open source is, I mean, I is just saying no to pull requests because it sucks for everybody involved. It sucks for the person that submitted the pull request because they spent time writing the code, and it sucks for us because we just feel bad. <laughs> but, you know, like I don't know, it really sucks. And honestly, like I don't, I don't know. It's it's my least favorite part of open source because I just hate to do it but i don't know someone yeah. someone's got to curate you know what goes in i guess but yeah i'm someone you know i mean you have to cut it at some point just say yes no you know and yeah treat treat even open source as a business even if it's not a true money-making venture yeah and some stuff that gets closed initially actually does end up getting in later like i'll close something um, initially with like, Hey, we just don't really want to take this on. But then because like, you know, it just keeps coming up, it keeps coming up, it keeps coming up. And after like the sixth pull request of the same feature, you know, you're kind of like, well, okay, maybe there's some merit to this and it gets in. So, I mean, it's not the end of all hope if it doesn't get in the first time. Um, sometimes I do revisit stuff that was closed. Yeah. I can, I can imagine, you know, like you get a pull request and you're like, Oh, that doesn't make sense now. But then three months on the road, it's probably like, Oh, that, Probably makes yeah. a lot of sense now. <laughs> Come back around, um, open up the PR again, things yeah. like that. Um, but so um, Ben wanted to bring up an ignition real fast. Um, mm -hmm. What was what was the idea behind that, and um, how did you go ahead and build that to life? Um, that was actually all like Frank and Marcel's idea. So like Frank Vanderhurten and uh, Marcel uh, Posiot, I guess is how you would say his name. Um, they live over in europe i think um i think they live in belgium actually like in antwerp at least freak does anyway they like pitched me the idea and you know hey we want to build this error page and error tracker for laravel and i was you know sure you know go for it or whatever and you know if it's good like i'll uh i'll pull it into the framework because you know what the heck and uh, so they, they built it all themselves and they just kind of gave, they kept me updated and like showed me screenshots and let me pull it in uh, to my Laravel project as they were building it just so I could kind of like check it out or whatever. But it was really their project. And um, I think it turned out pretty good. You know, like I just gave them ideas, you know, as they came to mind, but mainly it was all them. And then I just pulled it into Laravel 6. Um, I don't know. It had some cool stuff, like some stuff I really liked. Like it made the blade errors a lot more manageable because you get like real line numbers and real file names and not compiled stuff. And then I really liked the um, ability to like, if you have just a typo in a file and you get an error, you can just edit the code right there on the ignition page and hit command S and save it. And you're good to go. Just refresh the page. So that was really cool. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Like I think some of the concepts there are like eventually trickle down too to other frameworks. It'll really mm -hmm. change the way we troubleshoot and debug things in PHP. Because right now it is very much like an eagle on a haystack with a stack trace or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you have to figure out, okay, where's this actually point? 
okay, oh, it's a typo. You know, that yeah. just took 15 minutes. And now Norville will be one button click. Yeah. yeah. I also really like the aspect of sharing it and with them adding comments as well, like the ability to share your local exception with like a public URL and then get comments on it right there in the, um, in right there on the page. And then you can just mark it resolved later. Uh, that's a really cool feature. I think too, you know, just if you're having a problem, you can share it right there. Yeah. No, I, I, this is the first time I'm actually really kind of reading into ignition um, on the planet. I think it's actually really freaking cool. Um, considering that like on freaks dot uh, dev page, it has that uncaught exception with the terrible stack trace going all the way down. And now um, the evolution to ignition just looks so much better. Yeah. Yeah. They did. It turned out really well, actually. And I, I thought like they did a really good job at their Laracon EU demo of like really highlighting some of the, uh, the benefits of it. The run up, the solutions aspect is really cool and sort of opens up the, the door for community contributions as well, where like you can sort of like develop these solutions for common exceptions where you can even like have them fix your code for you. Like if you're missing like your application encryption key, it can generate one for you right there from the screen and all of that. And then people can contribute stuff. And then also people can contribute tabs to the screen. So like, you know, one person's already built like a Stack Overflow tab where it just shows all the results from Stack Overflow mm -hmm. for that exception message um, and this other stuff like that. So I, I can don't see know. Too, like, eventually, you know, you're in a large corporation, you have 100 devs and there's a few errors you hit constantly. Yes. Right? You have your own solutions for your internal errors that you hit. In yeah. Base. Yeah. And that was even in their in their uh, Laracon talk. They even mentioned that exact use case. You know, it just sort of cut down on those types of things. No, this is this is exciting. I'm really cool. Um, I think the pivots are kind of like the last thing on our long list of things we wanted to, to kind of bring up. Um, so you've been doing this now for, you know, eight years or so kind of on your own. Um, and you've kind of been open about what it's like to work at home, work on an open source project that makes money, things like that. Um, what does retirement look like for you? Are you ever going to be able to pull yourself away from Laravel and kind of sit on a beach drinking fruity drinks or are you always going to kind of like try and be involved with this until whenever? I mean, for me, I'm going to ride the Laravel ship to the bottom, you know, and like after that, I'll, I think I will be retired basically. If this one last damn user would stop using yeah. Laravel. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to ride, you know, the, the Laravel ship all the way down, man, like with the violins playing and everything. But to me, it's just like crazy because I'm just curious how the story ends at this point, you know, like it's been so long and it's been so crazy. Like what is, what does the end look like? Like, I'm just curious, you know, I just feel like I'm reading this book or like watching this movie. And now I just want to know how that happens. Um, and I think once that does happen, I hope like um, maybe, I don't know if I just step away from programming entirely and like do something else or whatever, but, I don't think there will be anything else in PHP that I do after Laravel. I think I'll walk away basically. And that will kind of be what I did in PHP. And maybe I moved, if I feel like programming still, maybe I moved to some other language or whatever, but I would maybe even do other stuff just outside of programming and not, not be a professional programmer anymore, really. But I don't know, man. I don't know when that, when that's going to happen, you know, um, <laughs> Uh, every well, year, you, you never know. Yeah. Around now, right? Like, yeah, over 10 years. Same, same thing with Symphony. Like, um, 
let me see when the Rails release date was. Rails was released 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so, like, I just off the top of my head, I would think, oh, well, frameworks don't live very long anyway. You know, this yeah. happened for too long. But if you think, like, Rails and Symphony, like, Rails is going to be around for at least two decades and probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Rails is going to be around a long time. And Symphony is 14 years old. Symphony just came out one year after Rails. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's just because we're sort of in we're sort of in uncharted territory, you know, as far as PHP frameworks go, like nothing's ever been as big as symphony or Laravel thus far, as far as frameworks, like frameworks go, obviously WordPress is very large. So, you know, there's like no precedent to go on as, as far as what's going to happen you know, in the future. So I don't know. I'll just, I'm just enjoying the ride while it lasts. And, you know, once the last Forge user uh, unsub- cancels their subscription, I can not think of it, but I don't know. It's, well, been, it's been fun. I'll go help that out and get to my Forge subscription now. So <laughs> hit this iceberg. You heard that, you know, give Tyler some peace. Go cancel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone at once, uh, cancel your Forge and Vapor subscriptions. Laravel is closed. Uh, <laughs> We're all moving back to Kohana after this. I'm never coming on this damn podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, this is the beginning of the end. Yep, yep. And Phil started it. I ended it. That's how it goes. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, I mean Taylor, thanks so much uh, for your time tonight. It was really great. Um, great catching up with you um, again. Congrats on Laravel Six Vapor and all that good stuff. I know you worked really. I know your entire team worked really hard on that. So thank you, um, Ben. Any last words? No, it was fun, man. You were the first guest, and now it's great to have you back two yeah. more versions later. So thanks for coming. Yeah. On. All right. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Yep. When the right. Laravel ship sinks, 